Welcome to The Creative Switch, the podcast inspiring the sensibly successful to switch on their unexpressed creativity for a more fulfilled life. Why stick with your planned episodes when you can add in another one? I recently came across Lorna Gibson, illustrator, author, and accidental animator, and couldn't resist inviting her to join me for a bonus seasonal episode. Formerly a ski instructor and latterly a personal trainer, she combined her loves of all things wintry, drawing and woodland animals to create the world of Mr Bear. Listen on to hear how both her stories and her own journey to becoming a stop motion animator are full of magical moments. Not least of which is the Stephen Fry connection. Just a quick reminder, please do head to my website, nickyvalance.com and sign up to join the Creative Switch community and get involved in the creative conversation. But now it's time for some more creative news in The Edge. I don't know about you, but there are some programmes I always associate with Christmas. When I was little, and there were only three, then four, channels, and the run-up to Christmas was packed with repeats of the likes of The Sound of Music, The Wizard of Oz, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, My Fair Lady, and my all-time favourite, It's a Wonderful Life, Rewatching these always signalled that the big day was getting closer. Then, with my own children, we'd be waiting for the next Wallace and Gromit, and the anticipation would build to a frenzy. Of course, now most things are much more accessible via streaming. But I am looking forward to the next Nick Park animation, which is due sometime in 2024. I'll share a link to an article which talks about this and also mentions a little bit of concern over the clay that has been used for all of those films, which they have some stock of for this film, but thereafter may not be able to access because their supplier decided to fold due to retirement. And there is a connection with Wallace and Gromit and my next guest. It was these animations when she was growing up as a teenager that sparked her imagination. And she believes probably is why she chose to animate her character, Mr. Bear. So what I will do is let her tell you all about how her animations came about. Let me introduce you to Lorna Gibson. Welcome to the Creative Switch. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to speak to you. And we, we don't know each other, but I know a little bit about what's going on for you at the moment. But could you just introduce yourself and tell the listeners who you are and what you do, first of all? Yeah, so my name's Lorna. I am a self-taught author, illustrator, and more recently, animator. So my business is called Toots Design, and I have self-published some books and also recently made some animations as well which has been very exciting. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. So <laughs> I guess what I'd like to do is maybe go back a little bit and talk to you about that creativity that you've clearly got in different forms. And if you can think about where that first started, can you identify with where your creativity came from? 
I think I can see it in two parts. One is the stories that I loved as a child, which I still love. I don't think I've grown out of them. <laughs> so things like Winnie the Pooh, Brambly Hedge, The Wind in the Willows, that sort of stuff has always stayed with me. And then I really loved stop motion animation as a child, more probably later as a teenager with Wallace and Gromit. So I used to play around with plasticine and make little FIMO things um, based off that. Um, so I was quite obsessed with Wallace and Gromit. So those things have always been in there, but as a consumer and just playing around for, for fun, it really feels like now it's come full circle and doing that myself feels really wonderful actually creating those worlds yeah. myself I can see where they've come from fantastic that's really really good so at school were you someone who did art and traditionally creative subjects or, or were you not necessarily pursuing it at that point yeah I loved them I loved subjects where you could chat to people so art music technology sport all those ones that I found really fun I was really happy in those places I followed an academic path. So I went to university and studied French with maths. Totally unrelated, but in the back of my mind, I had some people advise me that if I came out of university and still felt like I had a pull towards a creative world to go for it after I'd got a degree, which is what I ended up doing. I think it was always more me to be in the creative sector. Yeah, so it was a bit of a, a cushion potentially that you were creating by doing the academic stuff, but it wasn't really <laughs> where your heart was. Yes. <laughs> okay. So did you go into it straight away then or did, did you do other things before you really went for the creative passion? As a graduate, I was a bit lost as a graduate, actually. And I Aren't we got all? a job. <laughs> I, know. I got a job with the Ministry of Defence, which I'd Whoa. done through the government fast track scheme. So I, I got a job with the Ministry of Defence and I felt like a fish out of water, really. Mm. It was quite a structured environment. So yeah, I think I lasted a year there. It was a cool experience, but I went from that to teaching skiing. So I think part of my, okay. <laughs> along with the inspirations of Winnie the Pooh and things like that, I also just loved any stories with snow in. I grew up absolutely obsessed with Ski Sunday. Snow was such a big thing for me. So I'd had an opportunity to go skiing and just fell in love with it. And through doing French, I'd managed to do a year out in France and skied a lot while I was over there. And that just felt like it just got more and more passionate for me. I just absolutely loved that. So I'd done a ski season in between graduating and doing the job at the Ministry of Defence. And so I, I jumped from that to go and work in Colorado, did a season wow. there and then started to hop from Northern Hemisphere to Southern Hemisphere teaching mm -hmm. back to back. So I just lived in winter all year round, which made me really, really happy. <laughs> so yeah, that was really my main job, actually, since graduating, leaving the Ministry of Defence. But in that world, I had a lot of long winter evenings where I would do creative things. So it really inspired me and allowed me freedom to do things like that on the side. So it was always on my mind to blend the two things, to be able to enjoy yeah. the winter world that I'd jumped into and have a creative world as well and juggle the two right wow so has anything changed since then or are you still running both of them together so this business grew I think early doors while I was doing ski seasons I was quite focused on graphic design I set up a, an accidental business on the side which is a whole another story where I designed some hats and that went really well for a while so that was a really cool learning curve um, and I managed to juggle that around teaching skiing and then 
when I let that go, I was thinking, well, I'd enjoyed the branding. I'd enjoyed that aspect of it. And I thought maybe focus on graphic design. And then the best thing that happened was I just thought, what if I had no one telling me what to do? What would I do? So I'd done some marketing for logos and things like that. And then I thought, well, if I could do anything, just do that. So I started drawing what came to mind and I started to create this world of woodland scenes and things that were very much like the kind of Winnie the Pooh, Brambley Hedge things that I'd enjoyed. And having no one giving me any money for it and just doing it for the love of it, I made myself just draw every evening for a little while back in 2017, 2018. And then I started to post those drawings online. And I had no aim for it really it just was for the fun of it I started to get nice feedback from it and then release some Christmas cards release some prints and I think that switch from it being how can I make a living at this to how can I explore what feels really good to create just changed everything (laughs) yes yeah and so I then did that just creatively just for the joy of it until 2020 I went full-time on this business and so by then I'd started to get like commissioned illustrations and selling prints and I'd created some books. So yeah, it had grown very organically, <laughs> but it felt like the most, most me version <laughs> of the things I'd created so far. When you'd made that transition, it, you said organically, but was there a moment when you thought, oh, actually I could just do this and not do my other work? Yes. <laughs> and I had some support with that. So I was very fortunate felt like I wanted a break from traveling, bouncing around the world yes. so much. And yes. I started to work as a personal trainer, which was really lovely. And I met loads of wonderful people locally and it was really nice. And then I was very much growing this business alongside that. And yeah, there did come a point where I felt like right, I could actually jump full time and I had enough commissioned work to last me sort of five months or so. And I thought, right, I'll, if I can just try and keep growing it, yeah, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> and um, I had encouragement from people around me, which really makes a difference, I think. Oh, completely. Yes, definitely. And was that around the time of lockdowns and things as well? Yes. <laughs> They're sort of serendipitous, really, wasn't it? It all came to a, a point in time where it made sense. Yes, absolutely. And I felt really lucky with how it unfolded. So I had closed the door on skiing in 2019 and made the jump to being in the UK and growing this business and by March 2020 the resorts were in lockdown so I would have I felt like I had made a good choice and yeah it just the weirdest thing it felt like the stories that I created around Mr Bear started to kind of lead me down a pathway it felt like they were I don't know giving me ideas like the idea to animate seemingly came out of nowhere but unfolded in the most beautiful way that I couldn't have predicted and my whole everything that I'd thought of doing in 2020 back in February was changed by June when I was building sets and trying to figure out how to do stop motion animation with what I had to hand and everything was massively changed but in a in a wonderful way yeah wow how much of that situation was made by you and how much are you someone who just says okay well what's in front of me what what's the opportunity I've got here and then it comes from inside somewhere that you haven't necessarily planned it yeah I think the latter you've worded it quite well Uh, I would 
say it's a bit like having something tugging at your coattails. It's like an, an idea that just keeps coming and keeps coming. And I think once that happens, I will sit and listen to it. And even if it feels a bit arduous, if there is a way to give it a go, I probably will give it a go if, if something's persisting in my mind. And the idea of animating just did suddenly become quite prevalent and something that I couldn't ignore. Okay. Okay. So obviously you had had some experience of that with your plasticine modelling that you did at, you know, when <laughs> yeah. you were younger. And, and you say yourself taught. So talk to me about that process of going, okay, well, this idea won't go away. I'm going to do something. How did you decide what you were going to do and how you were going to do it? So the stuff that I did as a teenager were very much like little figurines that did nothing. So I never animated them as such, but I had a 3D Mr. Bear made up and it was needle felted. And just with my phone, I took a few pictures of it and just made it wave and I fell in love. I just felt like Mr. Bear suddenly became real. And so I had a friend who encouraged me to needle felt. She said it was dead easy. I wasn't convinced, but she was right. It was actually really simple. And so I ordered some wool and I thought, right, well, everything that I did felt quite naively easy. <laughs> At the time, I thought I can just make all the characters. <laughs> so once I'd made a few needle felted characters, okay, well, if I can do that, I just need to make a set and a set should be quite easy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I thought this was all quite doable. And in my mind, I thought it would be like three weeks or something. I'd just step sideways for a few weeks, wash out this little film and it would be fine because it was relatively simple just making him wave on my iPhone. So I thought it must be a bit like that, but just a few more things to animate. So I built the sets and then I was put in touch with somebody in the village who works professionally on animations and lights sets. I had a coffee with him and he was really lovely. And then he offered to come around and light the set. And at that point, <laughs> it just grew arms and legs and became a totally different thing. I was kind of waving light bulbs from the house <laughs> at these little things that I built out of wool and it was looking okay but he came round and bought around this professional lighting equipment and the whole thing just transformed and that was pivotal in it becoming something more than what I was doing. Yeah. It really changed. Sort of made it. it real. Yes, it became very real and it just lifted everything that it suddenly felt quite intense, whereas it had felt quite simple before. But then I was like, wow, this is, actually, this is actually happening. But I think every step of the way, it was quite like that. It just unfolded and I thought, right, okay, I'll just adjust to this situation and just figure it out. But I think because the nature of stop motion is just taking photos, you just get instant feedback as to whether it's working or not. You, you just scan through a few photos and it looks like how you want it or it doesn't look <laughs> how you want it. And it was really magical because I guess you get quite a big dopamine hit as well when you do see something come to life from a few photos that keeps you going. Yeah, yeah, amazing. <laughs> so how long is that period that you've described from when you first started learning how to, to do needle felt to having it become a thing with your professional input <laughs> from your lighting designer? So I was needle felting for about three weeks and then about another three weeks building sets so Mr Bear's house figuring out how to do forest trees and all these little details needle felted a lamppost <laughs> basically built everything from wool because it was accessible and cheap and <laughs> easy to just do it myself yeah so about three weeks on the characters three weeks on the set and then it all got lit and then I started filming July August and I wrapped up the end of September 
edited in October and then put it together in November and released it onto YouTube as a kind of Christmas gift to brighten up 2020, which felt amazing. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was really exciting. So there's a few things I want to follow up with there. So it started from a character and a world that you'd already built. Yeah. And you've mentioned Mr. Bear a few times. So talk to me a little bit about him and the process of writing the stories, because that's another aspect of this creativity. (laughs) And what, you know, obviously you've already explained some of your influences from the past, but writing a story is not the same thing as having favourite stories that you've read. Mm. (laughs) So again, that was self-taught. So what did you do? How did that come about? Mr. Bear just became a character that I started drawing. And then in December 2019, I had been writing to my newsletter subscribers by email throughout the year. And I had maybe like 300 people on my mailing list. And I had all of their addresses because I used to welcome them with little postcards in the mail. And so I felt like it would be a nice thing to do to send out a little mini book with a story. So I wrote Mr. Bear's Christmas and I got them printed into little mini books and put them in the post as a Christmas gift to everybody that was on my mailing list, which was really exciting. It just felt like it was really nice putting them in the post and knowing that in a few days, everyone was going to get this surprise. So putting that out into the world, I don't know, I didn't really want anything from it, but everybody really enjoyed the stories and it made me feel good. So that was the first one that I'd written. And then I did the same thing in lockdown with Mr. Bear's Best Day and put them out in the post again just to brighten people um, during a difficult time. People were asking if they could buy the stories. I started to sell them as the mini books. And then I made a big book called The Tales of Mr. Bear, which has got three stories in one book. So that, again, evolved quite organically. Um, And I didn't really plan to write a story as such. I mean, I just thought, right, I'll just pop this out and make people a bit brighter. (laughs) So it wasn't really like I was sitting down trying to write a book. I was just doing this little thing to make people smile. It felt like there wasn't really any pressure in it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of a theme there because that's how the drawing started without the pressure, without the someone's asking for this. Yeah. It was just expressing mm. something. It was a gift. And in some ways, it's that naivety that gave you the freedom to be creative. Yes. <laughs> you weren't saying, right, I have got this business plan. I'm going to create this. And then it, the reason I'm doing that is so that I can sell more books. And, you know, I want to be a children's author and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You know, it was just, okay, well, this is a nice idea. Let's just do it and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That. Okay. So that's worked for you a couple of times. So mm-hmm. is that now your approach to how you're building this or is, has it got more serious since then? I think it is still that. And I think the thing that I've tried to lean into is a bit of trust and faith and patience in that space, because it does sometimes feel a bit bonkers and it does feel yeah. quite uncertain and unknown. You don't really know where this is going. So I think at the time when all the lights went up and I was like, oh my gosh, this is just become quite serious those spaces where you just go oh my gosh and you go but I think I've learned to settle into that discomfort better than I used to and just think okay this is just breathe just think how it could go right or how it could work out sometimes you have to wait a little bit and that space can be uncomfortable but I think keep repeating you know a bit of faith and patience and belief (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. such a good (laughs) philosophy so I was going to say so Mr. Bear exists, he existed in picture form first, then in stories, now in animation. Where is he going next? Are you waiting 
for him to tell you where he wants to go. <laughs> well, he's had a few more adventures since then. So when I put Mr. Bear's Christmas onto YouTube in December 2020, I was like, I will never make another film ever again. And that was more than enough. <laughs> and in January 2021, I was messaging Andy, who did the beautiful music, saying, hypothetically, would you like to do any more music? And same with Dan, who did the lighting. I was like, hypothetically, would you like to light any more sets? <laughs> and um, they both said yes, they'd love to help me. And I'm so grateful for that. So that, again, was nagging at me. I couldn't really shake that off. So I got started on film two quite soon after and I've been working on a few more this summer as well yeah it's kept going (laughs) okay so right let's talk about narration this is one thing I do know a little bit about but I want you to tell the story (laughs) so tell me about the narration for your animations (laughs) so the original film I narrated on a little microphone I bought quite cheaply off the internet so a few people had mentioned that the sound could have been better and then for a few reasons, I looked into getting the narration redone, both myself, but it was also in the back of my mind, could I have somebody professionally narrate it? And I had a dream that Stephen Fry agreed to narrate it for me and that I met him and that he said it, it would be totally fine to do it. And the next bonkers. day I woke up, <laughs> I know it was very bonkers, but I woke up and that was the warmest, happiest dream. <laughs> and I couldn't shake it. So that afternoon, I looked into how to ask Stephen Fry to do a voiceover. And I rang up his agent, nervously laughed, explained that I had this project that I wondered whether, you know, how can you even go about asking him? Is it possible to ask him? And they said that they would um, put it forwards to him. And then the week after, they came back and said that he was interested. And it was only a few weeks after that that I had a voiceover file, <laughs> which absolutely blew my mind. And to this day, absolutely blows my mind. And it was it just changed the whole film. It just feels perfect. Uh, so so warm and cosy to listen to it with his voice. Goodness, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. So do you pay a lot for attention to your dreams now? Yes, yeah, I do. And even if it's not a dream, I think it's that feeling, that kind of warm feeling that something feels good to act on. Wow. So <laughs> it's now a different version than the one you first put out. Yep. What's happening with it? So after I got the narration from Stephen Fry, I then approached the BBC last September, um, who came straight back to me <laughs> and we had a chat the next day um, and then they made me an offer to acquire it for CBBS and iPlayer so it went on to CBBS last Christmas then it's living on iPlayer at the moment so you can watch it at any time and it was just wow. absolutely magical so are there any other projects with Mr Bear are they talking to you about doing more yeah I would like to continue that with them that's to be determined at the moment but yes fingers crossed and in terms of people knowing about it, how did it go down when it when it was first put onto those platforms? Well, I had a lovely time. I got dressed up in black tie with my family and we watched it on CVVs, which was really nice. And I got instant feedback through social media, which was so heartwarming. And lots of people sent me pictures of their kids glued to the TV. And that was amazing. So yeah, it's very heartwarming. And this year, probably more than last year, I think it's probably grown a little bit this year. So um, having people saying it's become like a part of their Christmas, which means the world. (laughs) So do you get that bump of interest with the book as well? 
Yeah, a little bit. I think sometimes people don't connect the two. I think that will come over time. <laughs> so exciting. What age group were you aiming it for? Do you think so, I, think it, I think again like I don't ever really write for an age group I guess especially since the, the stories have sort of tumbled out but I think they are very safe to gift for any age I know that sounds like a total cop-out but the best way I'd describe it would be like gifting a newborn a Winnie the Pooh book is totally fine but you get plenty of adults that really enjoy them as well so I, I have quite a diverse age range buying them. Presumably they're picture books so are they the sort of book that you would read and then that they would read afterwards themselves when they're able to read is it that kind of yes is it that yeah. kind of story okay yeah I think so yeah okay. so I've had like videos of kids pointing at the <laughs> at the pictures before they can really understand the stories I guess but yeah I think if I had to put a number on it I'd say five would, would probably be a, a nice age for it has anybody said to you or have you talked to other artists who have a similar approach to you has anybody ever said that it's quite unusual to be confident enough in your ability to just have a go at things and then they turn into something. <laughs> I don't know is the answer to that. I think I'm not sure. Either I don't know enough artists or I haven't had the conversation. Yeah, I'm not sure I can answer that. And I guess I've only got my own frame of reference on it, so it feels yeah. relatively yeah. normal, but yeah, I think probably because of the way you started, because you, everything you've done, you started from a point of view of something talking to you and telling you, why, why don't we try to do this thing? Because it feels like it's nice. It's going to be good. And there's no purpose to it other than for its own sake. And then it becomes something after you've given it some space and time. Because that's your approach. And if you're going to continue with that approach, I guess you're not having to worry about how do you market it and who's going to buy it? And that will come once you've created it. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people do have that worry. What if it doesn't go anywhere? A lot of creatives are very concerned that either they're not, they're not good enough or no one's going to be interested or they often don't know how to turn that into something more than just the product itself. So do you ever suffer with a lack of confidence? Is there ever a time when you think, oh, no, no this isn't going to happen? Yeah, 100%. But I think I would try not to act on it, I guess. So it definitely rumbles around my mind, 100%. And same with the marketing and same with the where does this go? But I think I would choose to focus more on the thing that feels more in my heart than in my mind, I guess. Times where I've tried to make something for more of a purpose just doesn't seem to work as well as if I am able to do the thing that feels a bit bonkers or doesn't have a clear path yet <laughs> those things feel a bit more I guess I've learned to trust those things yeah um, more natural yeah more natural yeah and I'm also really blessed that I've been able to live with my parents that's like a, a big safety net for me and I, I know a lot of people don't have that you know you have to figure out how to monetize it whereas mm -hmm. I've been really lucky that I can monetize things through the e-commerce website and have a safety net behind me which makes a massive difference in being able to go for the bold things or the things that are maybe creatively indulgent almost yeah I get that and I'm in a similar situation in in that I've just started this project of doing the podcast other than wanting to encourage people to tap into their creativity because it's so good for us 
it's good in lots of different ways. I've, all the people I've been talking to, all the experts I've talked to, it's good for wellness. It's good for feeling fulfilled. It's really good if you've been sitting on something that you love that you don't think you can do anything with because it's not going to be sensible and not going to pay the bills. But finding a way to fit that into your life just changes this. And sometimes it is better not to have, you know, a very clear business goal because I think in some ways it takes away the creative freedom. But if you said to yourself, like you did, well, if I could just do this for me, what would I do? If we could all do that and then just see what happens, I think the product of that is nearly always better. Do you know what I mean? Uh yeah, I do. I've had to repeatedly let go of the concept of a linear pathway as well. Just constantly think, right, each year you think, oh, this will be the year where this, this and this happens. And then it doesn't always go that way. But other things can come into place. Or I also feel like success is an interesting concept. And I think the wins can often be things that may be imperceptible to others. So it might be your ability mm. to sit with discomfort a little longer or the courage to address a blank sheet of paper and not quite know what to do with a pencil yeah. <laughs> or to share to share your work or whatever it is like those successes are huge internally and I think every mm. everything that I've had in my life to hear has almost been like a, a manual for myself <laughs> that I can draw on in this business so all the times where it didn't quite go to plan <laughs> have almost been yeah. more magical to get me to hear it does sound like a big part of this is getting to know yourself and knowing what works for you and knowing how to deal with those challenges of when things aren't working or when you had a plan it's fallen through or whatever. Because if you didn't have that self-awareness and hadn't developed, I mean, it's an ongoing journey, it goes on forever, but develop that ability to understand that you are feeling uncomfortable and that that's okay, then I think what would happen is you'd miss the other opportunities that are going on. Mm -hmm. If you spent all your time inward and, oh, this isn't working, what am I doing? I think you'd miss the opportunities. Whereas if you've got a fluid way of dealing with things and it not being linear, it then means that when something happens, like a weird dream, <laughs> and it says, <laughs> it says to you, go on, give it a go, try to get Stephen Fry to be the narrator, you would have probably you've been in a different mindset you probably would have gone well that's ridiculous and you wouldn't have done it and then things wouldn't have happened the way they have so I think if everyone who's listening can actually take that just that one thing away from listening to this conversation I mean I'm learning from you as you're talking because I've always wanted to be creative and there's a whole other discussion about what does creativity mean anyway but I didn't allow myself really to let that come to the front it was always like, oh well that's on the side it's never going to be the thing just allowing myself to explore where it might take me it's just changed everything in terms of how I'm approaching things but that's cemented it even more just to try and think okay well when things aren't going the way you want them to so I'm in the middle of writing my second book my first book is out in the world I'm very fortunate to be someone who could say I have a novel that's been published and it's very easy to think oh well I've done that so I need to do another one because otherwise I'm not really writing. And you get all hooked up in this whole career thing. And actually, if I just approach it as if I haven't done anything before, I just carry on, do it again. This is a different story. It's a different time in my life. There's so many things that are different. I need to just let it happen. 
uh, rather than thinking, oh, I've got to do that again. And actually also to remember that when you've done what you've done, which is phenomenal, you know, most people would go, what? We <laughs> <you> done that? <laughs> um, but it's also to remember the things that you have done that you have achieved, regardless of whether it's widely known about or success, that thing you talked about there really really hyper popular and being branded in I don't know lunch boxes or whatever it's not that that matters it's the fact that you've done it you've been faithful to your vision you've produced it and then it's out in the world it's actually got its own life now mm. it's not really yours anymore yes I think that too like other people own that in many ways they have their experiences that they form around it yeah so what's <laughs> happening next you've talked about you're doing a few more animations I know we talked about plans and plans don't may not happen but <laughs> what what is next year all about for you I'm at the tail end of the animations that I started in June this year so I think I probably have a couple more days of filming on there and then it will be into editing and creating music for those um and yeah they should hopefully be completed in 2024 see what happens from there i think good well i wish you all the best those new projects what if people wanted to follow you if they wanted to find you and your stories where should they go where do you hang out i'm mostly on instagram that's probably my main hangout um and i also write to my newsletter subscribers every friday so if people wanted to subscribe they can go to tootsdesign.co.uk or yeah follow me on instagram Fantastic. Well, we'll make sure those links are in the show notes so that people can find you. This is kind of my Christmas special, if you like, even <laughs> though obviously things are available all year round. But I just wanted to talk to you and added you into my season, actually, an extra bonus conversation. <laughs> like you, I think it's magical time, isn't it? My children are now adults, but that is the, my favourite time is when they were little and, and just that sort of Christmassy kind of anticipation. So I hope people go find the animation on the iPlayer or is it being aired as well? It is, yes. Um, okay. Friday the 15th. Okay. So on CBBC. People, yeah. people should look out for that. <laughs> and thank you very much for joining me. And I'm hoping we're going to keep in touch because I'm really inspired by you. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on. And I hope everyone has a lovely Christmas that's listening. <laughs> Take care. Oh, thank you so much. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Well, I'm definitely feeling Christmassy now. I would highly recommend looking out for Mr. Bear's Christmas airing tomorrow on CBeebies at 20 past five. Or if you can't wait like I couldn't, then you can find it already on BBC iPlayer. Now, how about those creative adventures I mentioned? There's so much going on, I had to think long and hard about which adventures to share today. In itself, this podcast is one of my ongoing creative adventures. And if a podcast has been on your list for a while and you want to get started with it soon, I'd recommend Alitu for editing and recording and Captivate for hosting. Captivate even have a free course which will take you through step by step everything you need to know to get started. I've shared my affiliate links in the show notes. I do love recording, editing and producing each episode, but there's a lot of time and effort involved and it can get knocked off course. As you may know, I had planned for the second season to go out much earlier. 
My guest, Nadine Benjamin from season one, talks about curveballs and terror barriers getting in the way. I've been reflecting and I've realised that the autumn season turned into a winter season because of some of those curveballs. I listen to the Calm app every morning and today Jay Shetty shared something especially apt. He quotes from Alan Saunders, life is what happens to us when we're making other plans. I've realised that this time round, it wasn't so much the curveballs, but more the planning, which wasn't fully realistic, that got me behind. That said, some of the things that have happened, like adding in an extra episode or taking on the learning of an entirely new skill, have been really positive. So I think my learning is that plans are good, but allowing flexibility for life and a little bit of wriggle room is a good idea. If you have any challenges and or successes with your creativity that you'd like to share with me, please do head to the website and sign up to join the Creative Switch community and share all of your learnings with us there. And next time in Creative Ventures, I'll tell you all about that new skill I mentioned and the exciting holiday that made it come about. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Creative Switch. If you enjoyed it, please leave a review over on Podchaser. And of course, you can join the Creative Switch community by heading to my website. All the links to connect are in the show notes. And join me next time for a fascinating chat with Nick Corston, described by The Guardian as a man on a mission and co-founder of the community interest company, Steamco. And remember, why survive when you can thrive?